uh, any time America's team loses, America wins. Whoever moved the Chip Kelly smoothies he had in Philly back in the day that always kept people healthy out of the building needs to be fired. <laughs> I'll pretty much root for anybody that plays against the Yankees, to be honest. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another enthralling, enticing, and all-around captivating episode of the Expansion Buddies podcast, or at least we hope it will be. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Wright. Hello, everyone. How's it going, Justin? I'm doing pretty good. I was going to say, you know, we should really wait till the end of the podcast um, before we tell people that it's going to be engaging, enticing, and thrilling. Because I feel like we're, we're selling ourselves pretty highly up front, and I'm worried that it's, now there's a lot of pressure on me, and I don't know if I can perform now. No, man. It's called it's called a tease. And I have, I have full confidence that this is going to be an enthralling episode because we are joined <laughs> again by... Good friend of the show. We've had him on before, our buddy Ryan Murphy. Ryan, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. Thanks for having me on again, guys. I appreciate it. You bet. We're man. happy to have you. I think we should uh, in post add like a round of applause when we announce Ryan. Any any guest, but yeah. <laughs> there, round of applause. Yay. Uh, did you do like where you actually go around with your hands while you're clapping? I did not. I would, oh, you know me too well. You should. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, you you guys uh, on the outside might know him as Ryan, but we uh, in our fantasy football circle know him as uh, the unbeatable monstrosity in our league. Ryan's nine and one right now, and the only person that's been able to beat him, uh, and I still think it was just luck, is my roommate Joe. So Ryan's been pretty unbeatable over the last two seasons. Jared, if you said Joe beat anybody in fantasy football, I would assume it's sheer dumb luck. You know, yeah, I I played Joe this week. I can't talk down too much on him. So <laughs> I just uh, lost to Joe. So, well, I don't I, have a lot of room to talk. I will uh, probably be joining that club in about a week. So, mm. but yeah, we fair, uh, Justin, you've had as bad a luck as possible this year in fantasy football. So, yeah, don't this last week I lost to Joe because Jimmy Graham scored me zero points. Usually he scores at least seven, which is what I needed to win. And this week he scored zero. Well, I, uh, I, I can't really talk much about fantasy this year either. It has not been a banner year for my team. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but I can't uh, believe that I, I drafted George Kittle in the first. Yeah, we never updated our listeners on that. For anyone who remembers the fantasy episode and everyone thought Justin was – uh, up a tree mad because he was going to draft a tight end in the first round. He did it. He stuck to his word and he did it. He took Jimmy Graham or not Jimmy Graham, excuse me, George Kittle. <laughs> oh God. If you would have taken Jimmy. Graham. <laughs> uh, he's like rank six now, but still, yeah, no, he, it's, uh, I, I am doing decent right now though. I am. Um, yeah. You won six and, uh, in last spot for a playoff. So yeah, that's all you need, man. Get in the playoffs and then anything can happen. Yeah, and then I'll choke in the first round again. True, yeah. that that is that's what... where I beat you last year. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I, I have pieced together a ragtag team of. It's like the A team. It's just misfits. Uh, that's well, you know, that's. I feel like that's how fantasy goes more often than not. But uh, no, the real reason we wanted Ryan on to our show this week again is because we're going to talk a little NBA again. And if you'll remember, we had Ryan on for our NBA playoff episode a while back. Uh, lots of big trades and offseason moves going down in the league right now. Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting is there's, it's a pretty weak free agent class. There's not a ton of high profile players who are hitting free agency this year. Right. Like LeBron didn't hit free agency. Durant isn't hitting free agency. It's it's a little bit quieter this year, but it's all built around the implications of what happens to some of the league's best players a year or two down the line. And this year is all about teams setting up to get or not to lose some of their superstar players. Yeah, and uh, you know I think the the biggest. Well, the biggest move, obviously, so far, I think we could all agree with would be Chris Paul being traded to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, but the other team that there's a lot of 
there's been a lot of talk about, and it seems to only be heating up is uh, the Houston Rockets. Yeah, the, that rocket is is. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to talk about where it's going. Yeah, it's uh, man. They look to be getting ready for uh, a, for a full on rebuild there in Houston from the rumors about James Harden possibly wanting to go to the Nets. And I know Justin, you've got some opinions on that. Yeah, um, I'm not super thrilled because personally, I don't like James Harden. I I will not deny, I will not deny that he is a talented talented basketball player. But I think he's kind of a diva, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't think he brings the best vibes to a basketball team's locker room. No, and I don't know. Like with the Nets, it's kind of like, yeah, the the prospect of getting James Harden is, yes, you're getting the talent, but, I mean, you've already got, got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving over there. How many superstar egos do you want to stack onto one team? Exactly. It's It's – it's funny. I don't, this is going to sound bad, but I don't care nearly as much about basketball as I do football, but I still get kind of the same feeling as when the Buccaneers announced Antonio Brown, which I'd like to come back to a little bit later today. Yeah, we will. But, uh, <laughs> oh God, I don't like the way you said that. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't, I didn't mean oh, anything by we it. We will. We, we will get to football. We'll get to football. But, uh, I think that, I think the one we really should talk about, um, is this Chris Paul uh, deal with Phoenix? Uh, Ryan, what do you think of that? What was your first impression of hearing that? I think I thought it was a really, really good trade going both ways. I think both teams really benefited from that because um, the Thunder got a lot of just parts. Like they got they got players they can swap in. They got players they can trade. And they got another draft pick. And they have something like 17 or 18 draft picks hoarded. It's a little bit ridiculous right now. Um, but for a team that's sort of a little bit in between directions, right? They they just they had that superstar core and they've all left, and now they've got to try to put the team back together to create a new championship winning team. They have a lot of pieces that they can they can sort of soak up minutes. And they have veterans who can teach rookies things, right? Like Ricky Rubio was really important to my Jazz teams a couple of years ago, not because of what he did on the court but because of how good he was at molding those young wings or the wings that had just arrived into the NBA and players that are now, you know, core perimeter players for the jazz that are really important. Like Ricky Rubio is the one who sort of got them getting it all sorted out. And so that's a good pickup for the thunder and whether he stays there or not, that's a good, he'll be a good spot to kind of mold young players wherever he lands and having that many draft picks for the thunder, like you're going to be able to find either to draft or to trade for to draft a player who's going to be your player for the next decade. And then if you're the Suns, you have one of the best players nobody talks about, who's Devin Booker. He's he's not going to stay on a losing team his whole career. Like that's just not how the modern NBA works. And so at some point they're going to have to go get him some players to put around him. And Chris Paul again is a he's a little bit of a diva, but he has a ton of respect. Like he, I don't know if he still is, but he used to be the head of the NBA Players Union. That locker room will listen to him. There's no question about that. And so not only the talent of Chris Paul, but that leadership, like that at least now makes Phoenix also an attractive place when they, if they try to bring in one more piece to try to get it all to click. So that's a really good trade for both teams, I think. Uh, yeah, I I completely agree with you. And I, I didn't really think about it, and maybe I should have too much from the Thunder side of things, although I... I know they are really stockpiling on those draft picks now. I think they have 16 total first round picks over the next six drafts is what I read, yeah, which is just crazy. It's insane. You know? So th- like you said, they should be able to get some pretty good pieces to get, build the foundation of another hopeful championship caliber team there in OKC. But I was thinking about this trade more from not only the, the perspective of the Suns, but also from Chris Paul. And I think this is a uh, one that works for both parties in that scenario too. Obviously kind of like you were saying with Devin Booker, I had the exact same thought. Uh, he wants to be on a winning team and it kind of feels like to me, the Suns feel a tremendous amount of pressure to get to the playoffs this season. And at most next season, if not this year, um, because he's not going to want to stay on a team that can't reach the playoffs. And we all, you know, we remember how close they got 
this last year in the bubble, you know, going eight, no, or nine and no, or whatever it was down there in Orlando and still missing out, uh, just missing out on a playoff berth that that's going to get frustrating after a while. Uh, if that continues to be the, uh, the trend down there for a guy like Devin Booker and he he'll go, he's going to want to go somewhere that can contend. And I think them getting Chris Paul is not only a message to him, but to the fans that say, you know, Hey, we are serious about this. We are serious about trying to make a run here. Uh, so I think, I, I think it was a really good move by them uh, for that reason alone. You know, obviously, like you said, players are going to listen to him in the locker room. He's going to be a guy that the team can really rally around. Uh, I really fully expect now kind of, I almost did anyway, but I really expect now that Phoenix will be a playoff team this year. Um, and then as far as, from Chris Paul's perspective, I mean, he wants to go somewhere where he can win too, obviously. And I think it's just kind of the perfect storm down there in Phoenix right now. I think, I think, you know, he will be the, he'll be at least one of the main catalysts that makes that machine go down there. And yeah, I, I just think all around it was, I think it was a good, well done deal. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Justin, I know you're not our, a huge basketball guy, but uh, <laughs> any thoughts about that uh, big trade? Nothing that you guys haven't already covered. Uh, like you said, I'm not the biggest uh, basketball guy in the world, so I don't have enough knowledge or expertise to really comment any any further beyond what you guys have already said. I think, honestly, if I did, I'd just try to say anything. I'd just end up sounding like a fool. Yeah, fair enough fair and enough. i do enough of that already on the <laughs> podcast um you know i think i read somewhere to i don't ryan do you know i don't know if they've knocked out any finite deals of what his contract with the Suns is going to be yet do you know i don't know if they've i don't know the full contract situation but i do know phoenix had a lot of cap room they're not somebody who was sort of concerned about blowing into the luxury tax no i um, think they still have about like I think I read like 18 million or something like that, that they can still spend in free agency too after yeah. this. So and they're going to have to make sure that they line it up in the future years. Cause again, Devin Booker is probably going to get a super max. Yeah. And so they need to make sure that they're able to pay that. But again, it's a soft cap in the NBA. And mm -hmm. so if you go over it, you just have to pay a lot of luxury tax. Yeah. Yeah. So. And you know, there's been teams that have had no problem doing that. So, um, Talking about uh, teams that are finally, I, I say finally, it feels like finally building around their superstar players. Uh, the Bucks made a nice little deal the other night too uh, with New Orleans. They did, yeah. So what really killed the Bucks in this last playoff was that they just did not have enough shooters. They could not get enough space. Obviously, the Giannis injury was sort of the nail in the coffin. Mm -hmm. But what happened was everybody was just collapsing in on Giannis and he just didn't have enough space because the shooting around him wasn't good enough to create that space for him to drive. That's partly why Harden's been so good with the Rockets, right? Is the Rockets had so many shooters. And so he's always had so much space to be able to drive. And the Bucks just added Drew Holiday, who's just a really well-rounded, like really good overall player, right? He's really solid on both ends of the court. He can shoot the basketball. And then they finally, they got him a sniper. They got him a guy who's going to sit outside and just shoot threes until his heart's content. And those were, those <laughs> were really both really important pickups because that'll mean that players are farther spread out. The rotations are just going to be one step late when Giannis is driving in. And that's going to equal a lot of assists when he's kicking it back out. And it's going to equal a lot of dunks when he's not. Yeah. Well, and kind of, kind of along the same lines of what I was just saying with uh, Phoenix, you got a more amplified version of it in Milwaukee where Giannis will probably not be there after another unsuccessful season. Like this feels like this is the last, the absolute last chance that he's giving the bucks. Um, you know, they recently promised him a revamped roster and with that, you know, it's pretty clear that a new five-year max deal, super max deal will soon be waiting on the table for Giannis. And obviously Milwaukee really wants him to sign that but they really need to prove to him. And I think they're trying to, that they are trying to build a championship team with and for him. So yeah, we'll see what that translates to into this season. And if they make any other uh, 
really notable moves before the start of the season in December, but it feels like real desperation time for them. You know, I can't imagine a scenario in which the Bucks once more finish as the regular season's best team and then get ousted in the playoffs and Giannis sticks around again. I just don't see that happening. No, I don't either. They have to, to be honest, if they don't probably make the finals this year, at least he's probably gone. Mm -hmm. I was kind of surprised he stayed another year after this anyway, um, after this last playoff early exit. So, you know, this, this year's just weird though. Like not diminishing anything that's happened this year, right? Like the Lakers deserve that championship, but it's just been weird because right. They just, the bucks just didn't have it together in the no. bubble. And that can be, you know, there was all the political fallout going on in Wisconsin at that time. Maybe they were, had their minds elsewhere. Maybe they just didn't prep properly during the, you know, the isolation period where, you know, some players were kind of just taking that as a time off basketball, whereas some were sort of really drilling individual drills. Maybe the Bucks just didn't quite get it together there. Maybe it just didn't click chemistry when they all got back together after not having seen each other for a few months. Like, we don't know what happened, but I, to me, at least, I think it probably makes a little more sense not to judge this year quite as harshly for the teams that didn't get it together. True. And I think the other thing is, like, clearly, I think we can all say this safely now, um, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but the Heat were a very – they were misseeded, you know. <laughs> at least I think they were. As a, I think they were a fifth seed in the playoffs, and they were clearly a better team than a, a, a typical five seed. So they were, yeah. I mean, it, it was just, like you said, it was weird. And I think that probably, that probably played in a lot yeah. to uh, his decision to come back for another season, but a uh, quick little side note, Justin, speaking to the heat, what do you think of those new, new uh, Miami vice jerseys? I think I sent you a picture of them the other day. You did. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was just getting ready to look up to see how much those cost because <laughs> I think I'm going to buy one. Oh, man. Because uh, yeah. they are. Ooh. Ooh, they are beauty- beautiful. Oh, they're so gorgeous. <laughs> I love them. They are. I, I thought it would be tough for them to outdo their the, the vice jerseys they've had for the last couple of years. But, man, I think they might have done it with those. Yeah, they are. They're great. I, I I am a sucker for that that pink and, like, light blue color scheme. And – they do it just awesome. It clashes so well. <laughs> it's just so well. Uh, and then the last little NBA trade I wanted to touch on is the one that Houston just d- did with Portland, where they sent over Robert Covington, and Houston got Trevor Ariza and a 2020 first round pick and a 2021 protected first round pick from Portland. Uh, as a Blazers fan, I absolutely love this trade because uh, Portland had the 16th overall pick in this year's NBA draft, and I'm sure they could have got somebody pretty talented with that pick, but I think that getting a guy like Covington who can deliver more right now is, is important because we're kind of in the same boat where we need to start proving to Lillard and CJ that we're serious about building a competitive team and not one that's just happy with getting to the playoffs. Um, So I really like that trade. Uh, It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It feels like Houston is starting to enter rebuild mode. Um, I I imagine that will be just the first of several big names we see leave H town this off season, but just a nice little trade that my Blazers made that I'm a, that I really like. Yeah, I think I think something worth mentioning about picks in the NBA specifically is if you think about in the NFL, no matter where you're picking in the first round, you're getting a really, really quality player in the first round. Right? You're getting someone who's going to make a difference in your team for years to come. Now, obviously, you'd rather pick high than pick low. Mm-hmm. But the difference between picking fifth and picking 25th in the NFL isn't quite as big as it is in basketball, where because they're only picking two rounds, and a lot of teams even trade away and don't keep their second round pick right there's only 60 players total and they're not even taking all those players every year so if you're picking in the late first round that's almost halfway through the draft right so the the difference in the nba is is those top couple picks have the potential really to turn into a superstar 
the kind of mid to late first round is where they're really looking to find high impact players who are going to make a difference for the team, but aren't going to be those players, right? You're not looking to find LeBron James at the 15th pick. You're looking mm-hmm. to find a three and D guy who can help LeBron James at the 15th pick. Yep. And so trading away the 16th pick, like that's what you're really trading with that is a young player who's going to be really like either a good shooter or a really solid defender, maybe a rim protector and a rebounder, but who's also going to be, have some pretty big liabilities, right? Maybe that shooter's not quick enough because again, they slid all the way to 15th instead of being picked up higher. Right? Maybe they're not quick enough to guard some of those wings on the first unit, or maybe the big guy really just doesn't have a shot, right? He's not going to be able to score on offense other than on rebounds. And so to, to be able to get Covington for Ariza plus that, that's a real good deal for the Blazers. And I think it's also good for Houston to be able to start getting value for what they have if they're if they're giving it up and committing to a rebuild. Yeah. Everything you have now, you have to turn into some sort of value. So Yeah, no, I'm, t- I'm totally okay with giving up draft picks uh, because Portland hasn't been a lottery team for a long time. You know, and it's like you said, really those top four, five, maybe six, seven guys are the ones that have the potential to be a, a real game changer for your franchise. But after that, you're just, you're, you're getting um, supportive pieces really. So I'm totally fine with giving up picks. I, you know, I love the trade for us and excited, uh, excited to see what he turns into with the Blazers. But uh, I don't know. Do you, I, I feel I feel like that's all the big uh, moves in the NBA so far this yeah, offseason, right? I think that's kind of those kinda... are the biggest, most important moves. And there have been a few others, but that's that's the real essential stuff. Yeah. All right. So the next thing we're going to talk about now that we've got no other really big NBA stuff is uh, the MLS Cup playoffs start this Friday. And Ryan, you are a real Salt Lake fan, correct? Uh, you know, after the, all the owner drama over the summer, I think I'm temporarily a sporting Kansas city fan until the, that team sells. There you go. Jump right on the uh, number one team in the West. That's the way to do it. Okay. So let, let me back this up in case you're a little <laughs> unfamiliar. So the RSL's supposed rivalry, right. That when MLS sort of was trying to, you know, get the teams to have rivals and whatever is Colorado, right? Like we have a trophy that we fight with over Colorado. We don't like Colorado, right? There's a good rivalry between the jazz and the nuggets. There's sort of a casual rivalry between the cities and, you know, they sort of play off of each other. Well, right. Like Denver's a beer city and Utah has, well, Utah alcohol laws. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, Denver's a little wild and exciting and Utah is a little straight laced and they're both, they're both really great ski cities. So there's, there's sort of a rival. Like I'm not dismissing that there's a rivalry there. We love beating the Rapids, but Real Salt Lake and Sporting Kansas City flat out hate each other. There were there were a couple of player poachings going each ways. They've met, I think, twice in maybe once, once or twice in the finals. There was a brawl. It's always an ugly game. There's a red card every time those two play each other. That's the sort of just like it happened rivalry. Mm-hmm. And so after all the, it turns out the owner of Real Salt Lake is a terrible person stuff that came out this summer. Yeah, I'm going to be a temporary sporting fan until the team sells. And then we can go back to hating sporting. There you go. There you go. And like I said, it doesn't hurt that they are the number one seed in the Western uh, conference this year. So, uh, you know, they might take it. Uh, I just wanted to touch real briefly on kind of how this year's bracket looks different than it has in the past uh, for a couple different reasons. Obviously the COVID thing threw a wrench into MLS, just like it did every other sport. So they, they went with a bit of an expanded playoff for that reason, but they, you know, they added a couple new teams again to the MLS this year, which I love. I love that they've been doing that over the last, what, four, five, six years now. It seems there's been, like there's been a real constant expansion in the MLS. It's, it's, it, it's gone from a 10 or 12 team league up to 26 now. Yeah. It's exciting. Slowly and steadily. It's exciting. I like it. Um, you know, and one of those matchups that's on Friday night is between in the Eastern conference knockout round, which they're the way the bracket works this year is the East is the only one that has the knockout rounds just because they actually have more teams in the Eastern conference. So those knockout games will, I think they're both on Friday actually, but uh, yes, one, one of those games is between two expansion teams that came in just this season with uh, Nashville SC and inter Miami. And I, I think that's really cool to see teams that make the, uh, that make the postseason in their first 
in their inaugural season. So I'm kind yeah. of intrigued for that match, just for that storyline alone. Um, and then in the East, it's kind of neat too, because this year you've got some fresh blood at number one, where it's not Toronto or Atlanta, it's uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, congrats to the Union on their first Supporters' Shield. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say the Supporters' Shield, best record in MLS, most points. Uh, I'm not super knowledgeable about soccer. My team is obviously a big Seattle guy, so I'm a Sounders fan. Uh, 12th year in a row we've made the playoffs. Uh, Never missed it, actually, since coming into the league in 2009. I'm really hoping we can run it back and win the Cup again this year. I don't know. Um, and the other thing is if we do end up going to the MLS cup, I just want to play somebody that's not Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> We've played them three out of the last four Stanley cups, uh, Stanley cups, or st- excuse me, MLS cup. So many cups. Uh, no, so sooner or later, we'll see a Seattle team in the Stanley cup, but, uh, yeah, we played Toronto so much in the championship. It's felt like lately, Obviously, I'd love for the Sounders to go back, but if they do, I just want it to be somebody else. <laughs> nope. Yep. That makes sense. But um, um, yeah, uh, do you have the bracket in front of you? I right do. Now? Uh, we could just talk real quick about what it looks like this year. Uh, yeah, and I don't know a lot about a lot of these teams. I don't follow MLS soccer super closely. I sort of follow european leagues a little bit more fair enough yeah i don't know a ton about them either i know a little bit about like their recent postseason or lack of postseason history but other than that i don't know a ton about them either other than seattle so i guess let's just start in the west and real quick just run through what the matchups are going to be if you got it in front of you you can run through them i can so in the west the number one seed is going to be sporting kansas city and they're going to be playing the number eight seed san jose uh, it's the earthquakes. Then the four five matchup is going to be between Minnesota United, I believe it is, and the Colorado Rapids. Yep. Uh, the three six matchup is at is Portland Timbers at three, and then FC Dallas are the number six team. And then your Sounders are number two, and they're playing LAFC. The Galaxy finally missed the playoffs, which always makes me very happy. Yes. So we have that other LA team in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, LAFC is the team that we weren't supposed to beat last year in the playoffs, and we did. And that's the game, or that's how we ended up going to the Stanley. Or God, I keep saying Stanley Cup, <laughs> the MLS Cup, the MLS Cup. That's uh, we beat them in the Western Finals last year. So I don't know. They always play us tough, though. Uh, they, I know they, they whipped up on Seattle pretty good in that MLS is back tournament uh, earlier this summer. So I don't know what to expect from that match. I believe that's going to be next Tuesday night. So yeah, that's the, that's the West uh, before we move on to the East, Justin, I know you're not a huge soccer guy either, but are you rooting for anybody in the MLS cup playoffs? Well, I feel like because of the hometown kind of thing, for those of you that don't know, my family's originally from Washington. I feel like I got to root for Seattle, man. Let's go. Just go. Because of that home state pride. There we go. So, right? Yeah, it's uh, like Ryan said, I kind of follow the European leagues more than I do MLS. And I follow the European leagues fairly uh, loosely. So <laughs> do you have a team? Uh, Ryan, you do too. I forget what it is. Who's your European team? I got a, I got two. It's Real Madrid and Tottenham. Okay. I, Let's I... go Hotspurs! Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I, uh, I guess I will support Real Madrid just because I bought a jacket that I really liked once that had their insignia on it. So that's all about Tottenham, man. All right. All right. I'll take your word for it. I don't know anything about uh, the European League. So that's where I'm definitely lacking in my soccer knowledge. But well, we'll do an episode in a couple months. Yeah, well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> we'll keep that on the docket. Get Ryan back on here and we can – now you guys aren't going to like – go as wild as some of those european fans and burn down the town and <laughs> you know i was i was in madrid two years ago when the el clasico game was getting played um and i had, it was a little late to the bar and the game was being played in barcelona thankfully um and so it was a little late to the bar and i walked in and i watched luis suarez score a goal to make it go from 3-1 barcelona to 4-1 barcelona and i just turned around and walked right back out it's been about 30 <laughs> seconds in that bar <laughs> Probably a safe move. Probably a safe move. I, I didn't. I didn't need that in my life. Ryan, honestly, for some reason, I thought you were gonna say Crystal Palace. 
I just, I just kind of <laughs> thought you were going to say Crystal Palace. Yeah, I, I would love to go to one of those European games sometime, though. I think, or a World Cup game. I think that'd be awesome. Oh, man. I'd love that. Um, little uh, last World Cup, I was rooting for little old Iceland. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, they got paired up with uh, Russia and they just got obliterated, but I was pulling for the little guy. Yeah. I just, I remember last world cup. um, God, where was that? It was Los Angeles. It was, I was trying to find, I had like two hours to kill before a flight. And so it was just sitting in a random like underground mall, downtown LA when the England Croatia game was being played. And there were Mm. like 20 people there none of them have any connection to England or Croatia and like everybody had split into sides and, you know, it was all yelling and cheering and like, it's just sort of, there's a just sort of collective community that soccer has that I just sort of find when it's not being aggressive and terrifying. I just sort of <laughs> think it's fun that how easily universal the sport seems to be. Yeah, no, it's, and like we were saying earlier with the expansion that seems to be just continuously happening in the MLS. Uh, I love to see the sports popularity growing here in America. I don't know if it'll ever get as crazy as it does overseas, but uh, I do like to see it gaining traction here. So let's, uh, let's get to the East. Uh, Ryan, if you want to read those matchups. Off yeah, to- absolutely. So the play in games in the East, um, the seven is going to be Nashville and they're playing Miami, as you mentioned earlier. And then the eight seed is going to be new England, the, the revolution, and they're playing Montreal, the impact. So the way that's going to work then is that the lower seeded to so the higher number of those two, whoever wins gets Philadelphia, who's the number one. And then the lower number, the higher seeded is getting Toronto, the number two, the other two games then that are sort of the next round in our number four, Orlando, and they're playing number five, New York City Football Club. And then number three is the Columbus Crew, and they're playing New York City Red Bulls. Yeah, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe this is Orlando's first ever trip to the playoffs. Uh, they were, I think they played their first season in 2015, but they are just now qualifying for the postseason for the first time. So yeah, they've kinda, had a rough run down there. Yeah, kind of neat for them. Uh, I'd like to see them win a little bit, go far. Um, like I said, really in the East, I don't care too much as long as it's just not Toronto again. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, kind of kind of crazy too to not see Atlanta in the playoff picture, you know, just two years removed from winning their Stanley or their MLS <laughs> MLS Cup. That's a hat trick for you. Oh man. Oh God. We gotta get off of soccer, clearly. Uh, I'd like to talk about Well, since you're so determined to talk about hockey here. I don't really there's no hockey to talk there, about right now. There's not anything really to talk about, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, that is the uh, what the MLS Cup bracket looks like right now is we're not going to pick teams like we did before with our other playoffs uh stuff just kind of wanted to talk about what it looks like obviously rooting for seattle uh but if they don't make it this year i can't be too sad you know three mls cup playoff appearances in the last four years two championships i can't really hang my head about that so that's uh i think that's all i've got about uh soccer all right, let's get to uh, the NFL. Justin, I will let you take over because I know that you've just been waiting. Well, yes. <laughs> I, right. Can we just – I – all right. I have to collect my thoughts here for a moment, even though I've been collecting them, to make sure I say what I want to say correctly. You start anywhere you want. I can talk I, about – I know what I want my Super Bowl rematch to be. I want it to be the Bills and Cardinals because that was a great game to watch. And it culminated in such a beautiful Hail Mary throw to DeAndre Hopkins. And my God, I, I'm sorry, Jared. I love watching Kyler Murray play football. Don't apologize to me. Electric quarterback to watch. And he impresses me every time he takes the field. Just about. And I've seen a few other people saying it. And I, I am actually leaning to agree with him. He is kind of creeping up on my, my MVP watch list. Oh, I mean, and, and Russ is sliding down. He Russ, has not had a cup, a good couple of weeks. Uh, listen, 
for me, Russ dropped out of the conversation, at least for right now. Uh, so don't feel bad at all about saying that to me because uh, I'll talk about that in a second, but he, yeah, it was, it was a rough one. And I want to go and I want to talk about my man, Cliffs Kingsbury. Oh boy. Cause when he started coaching for the Cardinals, people were like, Oh, he just is a failed coach. He's just getting hired. Cause he knows McVay. He drafted Kyler Murray. People were like, well, you just had Josh Rosen. You don't need to do that. But he drafted Kyler Murray anyway. <laughs> he really wheeled and dealed with Bill O'Brien is what I'm going to say. Oh, my. I guess you could call it that. <laughs> he he went to Bill O'Brien and said, hey, I want DeAndre Hopkins. What, what soul do I have to sell to get him? He's like, give me David Johnson. And he's like, you want just David Johnson? He's like, yes, give me David Johnson. And he gave him David Johnson. And clearly Bill O'Brien won that trade. I mean, let's. <laughs> yeah. Because Bill O'Brien still has his job, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but you put some darn respect on Mr. Kingsbury's name because the Cardinals are a team to watch right now. They're creeping up at six and three. And God bless America. They have been playing some good football. You know, I was kind of in just in awe. I think like a lot of people were of how that game ended on Sunday. Uh, obviously, we know how good of a team the Bills are, but DeAndre Hopkins, man, he's just he's just different. He's just an animal. I'm so glad he's on my fantasy team. Just it's a treat to watch him play, man. It just is unbelievable the things he can do and. I, I, again, I don't know what else you can say. Like that last play kind of speaks for itself. It's, it's amazing. I, um, and one of the, f- my favorite things that I've seen uh, came from that's good sports on YouTube, calling it the hail Murray. I thought that was a perfect, a perfect kind of pun play on words for it, but it was awesome. And I, I've been gushing over the Cardinals. I swear to God, I'm not a Cardinals fan. Although I, I, I really enjoyed them. It's kind of like way back in the day when the, the Eagles were Super Bowl winners. That season, I loved watching the Eagles play. But anyway, but also, I I can't not talk about the Bills during that game. They played exceptional football. It's their their defense was a little bit weaker than than I guess I originally thought it was this year. And I'll be honest, I haven't watched a lot of Bills football, so I didn't really know. But their offense is looking good and man who knew cole beasley could still play football right (laughs) right yeah man i don't know the bills are scary team still uh and i think with the losing the way they did this last week that's just gonna light the flame a little bit more uh i really think they're primed to go on a tear through the afc right now And, and ryan you're you're colts guy right I follow them, yeah. Yeah, so how <laughs> how about how about your Colts though on Thursday night getting a pretty big win over the Titans? Uh that, that that's a pretty big win. Yeah, you know, kind of it gives you a spot in the driver's seat now in the AFC South. I, you know, there there was a lot of concern uh when oh god, his name's Marlon Mack, right? I'm blanking his name all of a sudden, went down early in the season mm-hmm. and they've had their running game has been so good. Like the young guy they found has just stepped up so well and it's, it's kept everything together and Colts are a good football team. Yeah, no, they, they, they had, I was duly impressed last week with that, uh, that win over the Titans. I honestly, I didn't think they were going to win that game and the Titans are another team kind of like my Seahawks that are kind of slipping right now. It feels like, you know, six and three, but they're, they're not a fresh six and three, man. They've, they've lost the last couple. So yeah, that's I'll say the Titans are slipping and I think I don't I don't want to say it and get a lot of hate, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think the Colts are worse than their record shows. They are. Um Philip Rivers, I've I've talked before, I don't think I don't think he can lead the Colts all the way to the to the promised land. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they lose out in the first round or barring some uber favorable matchup the second round. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also, there's a freight train running through the AFC right now. 
and it's yeah. painted black and black and gold. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we want to talk a little bit about the the terror that the Steelers have been on? Yeah, man. I mean, it wasn't super shocking the way they beat down Cincinnati this week, but uh but you still know, they are nine and oh. I that I is if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that there would be a team at this point that was nine and oh, one of the one of the furthest teams from my mind would have probably been the Steelers. I know. It's just crazy. Um, they just keep finding a way, and that's what championship caliber teams do is they find a way to win. And again, they didn't really have to find a way against Cincinnati, but uh, it's yeah, it, you know, they are really like Ryan said, kind of on a tear through the AFC right now. And I think we're we're poised and destined, and we all deserve to see a Chief Steelers or a Bill Steelers playoff game because it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> yeah that's i i would agree i would not have expected the steelers i really did not expect ben roethlisberger to bounce back in this way because before getting hurt i would argue the last couple of years he's he looked really shaky shaky yeah it looks like he it looked like the age was catching up with him that he couldn't quite perform to the 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 high caliber level that he had in the past um, but that year off and, you know, everybody was kind of joking when he, when he said I, he gave up beer and porn, but dang, maybe, maybe that's all it took for him. Maybe he, that year off where he realized he couldn't play and he watched what I, I guess you have to call football legally that happened in Pittsburgh last year. Yeah. All um, right. and he's like, oh my gosh, I can't let that happen to my team. No, man. It's, he really you know, just – he he really has stepped up this year and is playing much better football than I've seen out of the past couple of years. Somehow, though, the Steelers didn't have a losing record last year, given – I don't even think we want to talk about that offense. Like, it was just – It was bad. No, The Steelers' no, defense I think, won them some games. Yeah, I mean, last year and, – and I respect Mike Tomlin. I think he – is a good coach, although I do believe he has some flaws, but that is not something we're going to get into right now. Um, good on him and the Steelers front office, because even though I would argue they knew last year was going to be a wash uh, when Big Ben went down, they still made moves like, and I think the big one that was getting Minka Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. getting him from the Dolphins, one of the best trades they could have done. He has helped lock down that Steelers defense. It was phenomenal last year. It's still excellent this year. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, I think they're there's poised for a, a nice deep playoff run right now. Yeah. I mean, you've got to consider him a favorite in the AFC right now. Just, I mean, mm-hmm. record alone, you have to, but. And the thing that I really, I, I like about the Steelers is even with when Bell was with, the Steelers and Pete and don't get me wrong. Le'Veon Bell, exceptional ball carrier, but the Steelers have built their line and their offense around a strong run game. And I think they have one of the best run run blocking uh, O lines in the league um, that has allowed then James Connor to step up and be an excellent running back as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not saying that he wasn't already. I don't, I don't want to disrespect James Connor, but no, yeah, the guys having that front. strong yeah. run game, yeah, having that strong run game. Last year, I think it got snuffed a little bit because of not having a potent passing game. But this year, they have Ben back; he's throwing well. So defenses can't just key on the run; they can't just key on the pass. They have to kind of split their split their difference, so to speak. And I think that's what a successful offense has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, if if assuming that rambling made any sense, no, I I got what you're saying exactly. At some point too, it's just a culture thing in Pittsburgh. I mean, this is a one of the most historically decorated teams in the entire NFL, and this you know I think for Mike Tomlin and for the ownership and everyone over there, this is this is the bar. Even in this year of all years where sports are crazy, everything going on. I think, like I said, we're all kind of shocked that they're nine to zero, but I bet you that nobody in that locker room is. 
I, I think that this no, is exactly, I, I think you're right. I think this is exactly what they envisioned going into this season. I think this is exactly the standard they hold themselves to. And that kind of that culture alone can be a scary thing uh, if you're the opposition. So it's going to be interesting really to see how this thing pans out with them. Do I gun to my head right now, say that they're going to go to the Super Bowl? I don't know. There's a lot of other really uh, competitive teams that I think could knock them off in the AFC, but I think you've got to give them just as good a shot as anybody right now. I read this in an article somewhere, but I think it's a really accurate point that is worth bringing back up is that this is, you know, when we were looking at Pittsburgh before the year, right? Like last year, we knew their defense was great last year. And we knew the offense wasn't going to be what it was last year because they were going to get their quarterback back. They were going to have had a year to sort of figure out what went wrong and get it fixed. But this is the best possible outcome of what you could have predicted for Pittsburgh, right? They are playing as well as this team was ever going to play. And that's on one hand, really good. And that's how you get into the position to win championships. And on the other hand, it's the back half of the season that matters if you play like that, not the front half. And so they now have to keep it up for a whole year. And and there's just a lot of good teams right now, right? It's not one of those years where we're like, oh, the Patriots are going because one, -hmm. the Patriots are bad. And two, there's a lot of good teams in both the AFC and three divisions of the NFC. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And I mean, just teams that you don't typically think about in the AFC too. You're talking Vegas, the Raiders are having a quietly sneaky, good season. Uh, the dolphins, the dolphins, the dolphins. Yeah. I mean, they've just come out of nowhere. It feels like really with, you know, kind of ever since Tua came onto the scene down there, they've just been tearing. I haven't lost a game with him yet. So, yeah. you know, the AFC, Justin and I talked about it last week, I think is just going to be, the playoffs this year in the AFC are going to be really exciting, uh, exciting yeah. to watch. I'm almost more intrigued for the AFC side of the bracket this year than the NFC. It's just going to, it's really going to depend on where those matchups fall, uh, where the chips fall, so to speak. Yeah. And another segment that we've been doing on this show recently, Ryan is upset and upsetting games uh, for our listeners right now. Justin's having some technical difficulties trying to get back on with us. Uh, So while we wait for him, we'll just go through our upset and upsetting games over the last weekend. Uh, So what this is, Ryan, basically, if you haven't been listening, uh, is we just uh, we pick a game from last weekend that we think is the biggest upset of the week. And then we pick one that's the uh, that we think is the most upsetting for the fan base that had to experience it. So if that makes sense. okay, Uh, I'll go first with my upset game. I I was just shocked that New England beats Baltimore on yeah sunday night and i think justin's back hello yeah i don't don't know what happened there i i never even got to the point where i restarted my computer i was just trying some things welcome back i was just running down with ryan how upset and upsetting games works we're just jumping into that oh excellent i am glad because i i'm glad i didn't miss it (laughs) i was just starting to say uh my upset game that's what we're starting with is uh new england beating baltimore on sunday night I'm glad you said that because that's also my upset game. What? Uh, I'm not exactly sure what happened there, if I'm being honest with you. I know that, uh, man, Damian Harris over there in New England, wake up on this guy, man, 121 yards against the Ravens defense. That's only the second 100-yard rusher they've allowed all season, and that's the most they've allowed to any single back this year. So good for him, and Cam Newton threw a touchdown and so did uh, their receiver Jacoby Myers on a, uh, on a wild play. So new England got the job done against uh, Baltimore, who we all kind of thought was going to be top tier in the AFC this year. Now, apparently uh, I, well, one of the things too, Baltimore, as we know, is a heavy run offense and the weather conditions were not super conducive for a heavy run offense. It was pretty wet and slippery out there. It looked like, yeah. And it looks like, uh, well, as anybody that's played football in the rain can tell you, it's it's not super easy to have a good hold on the ball when it's nice and slippery. You know it, coach. <laughs> <laughs> that's your upset game too, huh? It's it's my upset game too. It it was not one that I would have ever really guessed. I I thought for sure Baltimore was a lock against them. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, how about you? What was your upset game? 
you know i think that's a i think that's the one but just for the sake of picking some other stuff i'm gonna go with that colts titans game there you go i you know i just tennessee self-destructing Mike Vrabel coming from New England, Right Lake, and from Ohio State, both places that just have such a culture of that doesn't happen. Yeah. And then here it goes. Well, it was their special teams that self-destructed. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a lot of self-destructing going on down. Like, it's the special teams, but the defense did not exactly show up. Yeah, it didn't yeah. help. It didn't help. Um, right. Like, there was just, it, it's just not clicking right now. And there's, he comes from such a pedigree of not clicking is not acceptable that it's a little, I'm a little nervous for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like we kind of said earlier, it feels like they're slipping a little bit anyway. So, all right, let's move on to upsetting games. Justin, why don't you take this one first? Texans Browns. Oh dear. That game was aggravating. (laughs) The first touchdown was not, got until the fourth quarter <laughs> it was a oh my gosh it did did you guys see oh i saw did you uh-huh. i saw it i saw it it was a 10 to 7 game it was so bad there was oh my word i just and it was one of those teams watch. is a bad football team too <laughs> right yeah it reminded me a I, little uh, way back in 2011, Seattle had a game with Cleveland that was final score was six three Cleveland. So, <laughs> uh, it was bringing back some flashbacks from that. Baker was throwing poorly. It turns out that when you have a man that comes in that doesn't know what the heck he is doing, and completely guts a team, one one quarterback cannot carry the entire offense. I feel so, so bad for the players on the Texans who went from last year, a playoff contention team to a two and seven team right now. That is a laughing stock. They had that game against the chiefs and then, and then they didn't have that game because it's the chiefs. And that's how that works mm-hmm. between those two teams. Mm-hmm. The wheels fell off that bus very quickly. Well, and it was similar, uh, you know, strain of what we were talking about in the NBA stuff earlier. There's all this talk that J.J. Watt will more than likely not be a Houston Texan this time next year because he doesn't want any part of a rebuild. And And why would he at that point? I can't blame the guy. Yeah, no, No. they've done nothing to help him make a championship run, really. Uh, You know, he he gave them his best seasons. He owes them nothing. Mm-hmm. exactly so i mean i wouldn't be shocked if he's wearing a different uniform next year and i just hope he goes to a contender because the guy deserves a a shot at a championship so yeah let you put it perfectly the wheels came off very fast for the texans interesting upsetting game though justin i think i'm back again i think uh i think i'm getting internet outages i apologize if i keep popping in and out oh you're good i was just saying that was a very interesting upsetting game pick i like it <laughs> uh ryan what it, it oh, made me upset yeah well fair right, enough go. yeah go ahead ryan what was your upsetting game or had to be upsetting for the uh, vikings bears oh yeah um, monday night <laughs> uh it's upsetting because chicago's offense got outscored by their special teams yeah yep they did <laughs> upsetting because chicago shouldn't be a bad football team and yet they're somehow a bad football team with a mediocre record. That offense is just, I don't, it, it should not be as dysfunctional as it is. Yeah. And it's upsetting to watch it every time because it should function and it just, their offense just does not function. It's just, it's, it's just sputters like all the time. Like it just never gets going. And the the sad, the worst thing of it all for Bears fans is then you have Nick Foles get, you know, destroyed Almost. right at the end of the game and gets carted off in a game that was essentially already over. And yeah, it's just, and to, to have the start to the season they had and talk about a team that's really slipping right now. That's, yeah. yeah. The NFL is a better place when rival teams are good, when, when the rivalries are really exciting. And in a year where, 
the division that all hates each other are terrible. The other division that all hates each other, we were going to get Packers Bears being good this year. And then it turns out the Vikings and the Bears are not good. Yeah. And so we're down two full divisions of some of the best rivalries in the NFL. And it just sort of, as, as exciting as it is that the Dolphins are good and that, you know, and that there's a new king over in the NFC East, right? Like, I just want to see some good old fashioned rivalry games. And right now, Steelers Ravens is going to be the last best hope. Yeah. Thanksgiving night, man. Round two for yeah. that one. Um, for me, the upsetting game is uh, I'll go to that horrible, horrible NFC East. And I'm going to talk about the Washington football team's loss to Detroit because that is a game I watched the end of. Um, and first off, uh, kudos to Alex Smith, man, making his first start in over two years now uh, after that horrific injury. Oh. You know, great for him. That's a feel-good story, but that was probably the only one that Washington had that day because they had a brilliant drive by Alex Smith in the offense down at the end. Yes, they were helped by a couple of penalties on Detroit, but they got down in the field goal range, kicked the field goal, tied it up uh, 27-27 with about 16 seconds left. Well, who knew that 16 seconds would be enough time for uh, the Lions' offense – and Matt Stafford to get in their own field goal range. And Cody Parkey drills a 59-yarder to win it as time expires. Uh, on a day that the Eagles lost to the Giants and the Cowboys didn't play, that was the perfect opportunity for Washington to make a little bit of a move in the NFC East race, if that's what you could call it. <laughs> um, but they couldn't. And they're still sitting two and seven at third place and still very much alive, which is oh. the crazy part. Uh, obviously the Eagles are still leading the division at three, five and one. So that in itself is upsetting. You know, though, Jared, as a Seahawks fan, I think you can finally get that blotch off of your. Yeah, man. I want the Eagles to go what six, six, nine and one, because that would be worse than seven and nine. And at least when Seattle went to the playoffs at seven and nine, in 2010 you we won a beat, game we beat the defending super bowl champs so we proved a little bit i feel like that we belonged in that playoff in that playoff that year but man this year is gonna i think set a new low as far as that goes whoever comes out of the nfc east is not at all gonna be a threat i think they're gonna get ousted pretty horribly right off the bat and is is there any chance that the NFC East this year causes the NFL to at least think about what the NBA does, which is sort of ignore the divisions for playoff seating. Like just take the best, however many teams, you know, I've thought about that. And my thinking on that has kind of actually shifted throughout the course of this season. At the beginning of the year, I thought, man, and I've always, I, I thought since the beginning of the year that an, an NFC East winner was going to have a losing record this year. I said that several times on the show but I did yeah. think that uh, early on, I was like, you know, if that happens again, I think there's going to be a lot of push that says maybe still let every division send a uh, send a representative to the playoffs, but don't necessarily give them a home game or something like that. And now the more I think about it, I think, you know, what? I really don't think it's going to sway it because I think Goodell and the NFL is going to look at this as an anomaly and think there's no way this will ever happen again. Uh and yet I'm sure no one thought that it would be this bad for any division ever. And here we are. So I don't know. I think it could at least open it up to the conversation, but I don't know, Justin, what do you think? Do you think that the NFC East is so bad this year that it's going to prompt the NFL to, to push for some change as far as how the playoffs work? I, I hope it does because the way that the East has been performing has just been abysmal as we've talked about before the division is a joke right now. I mean, it's the, the, the Eagles are, are all set on track to have like a, a six, nine and one season and be the top of that division. And I, I really, I need to get caught up on the get back guys. Cause I want to know what Alex has to say about it, but it's, it's embarrassing. You know, I think Alex and a lot of Eagles fans are just of the mindset, man, just give us, get us to the playoffs you know, and see what can happen. But it's like I just said, I don't 
think that whoever goes to the playoffs from the NFC East is going to make any noise whatsoever. I think they're going to have a pretty quick exit. Well, and how is, how is the Eagles with a six, nine and one record, let's say going to the playoffs fair when then you're going to have a, some team from the NFC West or South is going to miss who should be going. Like say maybe <laughs> Seattle or Los Angeles, maybe, but yeah, yeah exactly. You got those three, are six and three teams that you got to have three. a real chance at not going. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, you got a three-way tie for the NFC West lead right now between Seattle, Arizona, and LA all at six and three. And obviously only one of those teams can win the division, but you might have one of them miss out because a, pl- a spot has to go to the Eagles. Yeah. yeah. Or the Cowboys or whoever, you know. And the Buccaneers and Saints are going to get the other one of them is going to get the other wild card spots. Yeah. So, and yes, the NFL expanded it to seven teams in each conference this year for the playoffs, but it, still, you know, you're going to have a team that could you could make the argument that's deserving that doesn't get their shot and this is where I don't like it because it's starting to sound a lot like college football. And I, it's a whole, it's a whole issue there. And it's one, I really hope we don't see seep into the NFL. Well, and, and usually this is not an issue because generally the, the quote unquote cream rises to the top and you have the NFC West, which is super competitive right now, even with the Niners who have the, the most serious case of the injury bug that I've seen for a while and still have a better record than any of the NFC East. Yes. And yes, Eagles fans. I know you guys have a team that is apparently made of glass. <laughs> um, but you have the NFC South that at least at the top half is fairly competitive right now. You have the NFC North who even the lions, the lions who are the bottom at four and five, have a better record than the Eagles, who are the top of the NFC East. The yeah. Vikings are a better football team than their four and five record says they are. Uh huh. The worst team in in every other part of the NFC Except has Atlanta. A... Yeah, I... oh, Atlanta's three and six. Ugh. They all have as many wins as the Eagles do. Every other team, and that is the top of the NFC East. It's, that uh, that is not okay. We have a potential here that oh my gosh, it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, we were talking about earlier. Talk about the Seahawks who made the playoffs at seven and nine back in the day. I think there's even to be a new lower than low if out of this year in the NFC East. And like I said, at least Seattle won a playoff game that year. I don't know if that's gonna happen. We have the potential. That's I'm looking at the Eagles' schedule right now. They only have two more division games so they have in that division has to get a win at yes least. yeah they have the cowboys and the redskins the lat or excuse me the washington football team oh i oh. apologize i apologize i apologize i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry caught yourself um but they have washington and dallas the last two games of the season they could lose all their other games and potentially win those two and win their division at five wins. Oh that boy. So oh boy. Ridiculous. Right. This is getting sad. This is making me sad. And I'm not even a fan of one of those teams. <laughs> uh, I feel like we're probably getting close to wrapping it up too. Uh, let's not end it on a super sad note. If possible, uh, any shout outs we want to give this week, Justin, any shout outs for you now that you're um, back on the, wing? I had one, but I forgot got my notebook so i don't remember what it was ah. actually i want to give a shout out to ronald jones of the tampa bay buccaneers for having the longest touchdown run in team history i'm so glad you said that because i am giving a shout out to someone who has a new franchise record for my team too gentlemen my kicker, Jason Myers, kicked a 61-yard field goal against the Rams at halftime on Sunday. And being probably one of the only bright spots of that game, he sets a new uh, Seattle franchise record for longest made field goal. So shout-out to him. Shout-out to Ronald Jones. Uh, setting new records all over the place. Ryan, how about you? Any shout-outs? You too for having me on here. Hey, Aww. we love hearing that. Of course, man. We uh we we 
loved having you back. We loved having you on the first time. It's why we invited you back. So we'll definitely have you on again in the future. It was great. Uh, thank you for joining us also. Yeah, absolutely. That was a blast. Yeah. Um, thank you all for listening as always on this Thursday or whenever you choose to listen to us, but we publish every Thursday for you. Um, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google podcasts. We're going to be there for you. Um, spread the word, getting a little bit of growth in our listenership, just little by little every week. We appreciate every single one of you that listens, that follows us on Twitter at the expansion BU one. Just be sure to check us out there. And I think that's about it. Gentlemen, any final words? Uh, I'm sorry, Jared, for all the editing you're going to have to do for me cutting back in and out. That's all right. Technical difficulties happen. It's like I told Ryan, at least we're not live. <laughs> if uh, any meowing from my cat made it on, I apologize. I promised I fed the damn cat before coming in here because I knew he was going to do it. And then he decided <laughs> to pretend that he was starving when Taylor got home. It adds character. It adds pepper and flavoring to our podcast, guys. It's pepper it's and flavoring. Pepper and flavoring. <laughs> Write that down. It adds cumin to the podcast. <laughs> adds paprika. We're already getting in that Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving mode. Yeah, next week we're what? gonna have a Thanksgiving episode for you guys. Uh, obviously, next. I I didn't forget. That's for sure. No, no, it's it's all good. We got a week. Uh, it's going to be on Thanksgiving is when our next episode will drop. So anyway, thank you all again for listening and tuning in to another episode of the Expansion Buddies podcast. Have a great Thanksgiving and holiday season and never forget. Party like it's 1976.